We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Brian and Colonial, an Alabama podcast for Alabama people on the Armchair Media Network. I'm your host, Kevin Paul, and today our guest is a very, very familiar voice to you all. He was my very first guest on this podcast. Uh, he has, even since the last time you heard from him, grown his following and, uh, you know, his place in Gump Twitter. Uh, none other than Cruz Oxenrider. Cruz, how are you today? What's going on, my man? Thanks for having me back on. Excited to basically talk about my uh, my two loves that I grew up with. It was Florida football and Alabama football. My worlds are colliding this weekend, so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, I, I did want to speak about that, obviously. Um, we all know that you were almost a Barner, but a lot of people don't know a lot of people don't know that you were a gator. Uh, so how are the emotions this week for you? Man, yeah, so born born and raised a gator. Uh was, you know, I, I grew up um with Spurrier and Urban Meyer and then I don't I don't even talk about the Ron Zook years. Uh so it, it it's 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 weird, man. It, it's weird. It's it's I'm there's always going to be a, a certain part of me, and it's probably because due to my parents and my family and how I was raised. Like, there's always going to be a part of me that's always going to cheer for Florida. Um, but when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, when Alabama and Florida play each other, I will roll tide roll all day. Uh, no matter how much it disappoints my family, it's just who I am now, and uh, it's how I've grown as a person. You know, we all make mistakes in our early teens. <laughs> I consider going to Gainesville my mistake, so I learned from it. But uh, no, I, I, it's 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 weird. I, I I try to like keep the SEC championship talk with my family to a minimum. I'm just trying to really focus on Christmas and my mom's birthday that's coming up in the next week instead of talking about the game with them. The mom, the mom's birthday is a really nice distraction. You get to really focus on that and you can just steer all conversation away from the actual game. Uh, you, you would think, you would think so. Unfortunately though, uh, the chief saints game is the same day as my mom's birthday. So I'm no. going to have to really prioritize things going forward. So, you know, speaking of mistakes we make um, when we're young, um, you know, Marco Wilson, Florida Gators cornerback, uh, you know, for those that don't know, and we're going to hit on this later on in this episode uh, with both of our guests after this. But as you all know, Florida, number six in the country, uh, got a big third down stop against an undermanned LSU team. Uh but Marco Wilson was flagged for an unsportsmanlike conduct, not for throwing a punch, you know, not for saying something to the official. Cruz, are you aware how he got this unsportsmanlike flag? Uh, yeah, I believe that there was a shoe mm -hmm. involved in the play, and he felt the need to throw it further than a Kyle Trask touchdown. 
and chucked it about 20 yards down the field. Um, I, you know, I grew up playing football and I Mm -hmm. have let my emotions get the best of me sometimes. Um, and I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever once in my athletic career have have ever had like the need to throw a shoe, a punch I've thrown. I've thrown a punch before in a game, Mm -hmm. uh, or I've, or I've, mouth off to the ref or uh, you know there was a time where i cheap shot at a guy um but you know as a fullback you know we we don't get enough love and respect but i i i can't i can't explain it. i've never seen anything like it I've, n- I've never seen anything like it and especially at that crucial part of a game where it's like dude it is third and eight you stop them and then you get them off the field, and then after the game, just run your mouth. You can, you can, you can do the gritty, or you can, or you can do get the gat. Like you can do that. You can rub it in their face afterwards. But man, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I, I will say number one, if Florida was just like up twenty or up thirty at that point, and he threw the shoe, literally would be the funniest thing in the world to me. Quite oh yeah, <laughs> ultimate sign of disrespect. Like it really would have been. I, I would have been like, that's that's just a savage mentality, but. It's a tie ball game. You're you're you have a playoff spot on the line. You're you're letting this LSU team that's being you know managed by you know intramurals at this point, intramural mm. stars at this point, and you've kept them in the game. The weather is awful, and you just do that. And it's and I understand he's a kid. He he is a kid. I and you know I know we're we're in our mid twenties and stuff like that. And it's hard to forget sometimes that these are. 18, 19, and 20 year old kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes your emotion, and it is an emotional game and you let it get, the, get to the point of you. But I think that's more of a testament to culture and coaching. Mm. I, I would never, I don't think a Nick Saban player would ever do that. And I don't think Nick Saban would let that kid on the team would you, have, this, have this happen. Did you hear uh, Dan Mullen's excuse for what happened? I, I did. And, I get where Dan Mullen's coming from, from a coaching standpoint. He's defending his kid, especially since he has a really big task going up this week, going up against Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's trying to break this kid because I'm sure this kid is already getting enough crap from Gator fans and people who had money on the game and it just everything in general. And I'm sure this kid, it will never, it will, it will never live it down. He's going to be like Marcus Williams for the Saints with the Minnesota Miracle. He is always going to be known for that play. And it's, it's just unfortunate. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I get where Dan Mullen, I actually kind of like Dan Mullen standing up for his players. Cause it shows that, Hey, he is a kid. He made, he made a mistake. I'm not going to let it define him. So I kind of get where Dan Mullen's coming from, but you know, Dan Mullen in the back of his mind wants to strangle this kid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think it's funny how Mullen said that, you know, it was a football move and that makes sense. You know, if you see a shoe on the field, you, when you toss a shoe, and look, I never played organized football, so I'm not 100% on this, but you find a shoe on the field, he knows it's an LSU player's shoe, so you toss it back to the LSU sideline and get back to the yeah. field. Oh, yeah. That, that, yeah. That, you know, that's fine. I've seen that happen a ton of times, but, man, to just turn around and throw it down the field. Like he shot – he cocked back. It wasn't just like, you know – Oh, no, he he chucked it. And, and the, I, I saw a funny stat the other day. The ball, the the shoe traveled twenty yards. Do you know that is longer than fifteen of Kyle Trask's pa- touchdown passes this year? <laughs> I, 
Kyle Trask, uh, man, you, you want to talk about someone dinking and dunking. Uh, that man loves throwing the ball inside the five-yard line. I mean, but when you have Kyle Pitts, why wouldn't you? I mean, he, uh, he's, a, he's a walking touchdown. No, that, I mean, oh, oh, for sure. I mean, look, yeah. if I had Kyle Pitts, I'd throw him as often as possible. But, yeah. man, Kyle, I'm sort of glad Kyle Trask is going to win the Heisman. Nothing against him. You know, he's had a great season. He's a great player. I really don't have much beef with many college football players. But, man, Florida Twitter these last couple of weeks, they – I feel like they – Apologies for those technical difficulties, folks. Um, you know, so I hope you enjoyed the ad that was just placed right there. Uh, so, Cruz, we're talking about throwing a cow pits inside the five, and that's smart. But we we're also talking about Gator Twitter over the last two or three weeks. Uh, you know, you're native, and you're probably a little bit more connected with Gator Twitter than the average Bama fan. So, w- what's going on, man? What what happened? It's it. it- I'm really glad that Twitter wasn't big when I went there. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't. It really wasn't. Thank God. Um, I think it's just they haven't been here in a while, and it's starting to show. Um, you know, I, I think that they are, and I, I get it. Look, they're they're a really good team. Um, they have, or they had the Heisman front runner. I think that ship is done. I think it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think Kyle Trask winning the Heisman. I think it's honestly who has the best game on on Saturday between Najee, Devontae, and Mac. Who wins right. the Heisman? Unless Trevor Lawrence comes out and throws like eight touchdowns against Notre Dame on Saturday, which I don't think that's going to happen. But um, yeah, Gator Twitter has been very toxic. Um, <laughs> and you know what's funny is that I I still keep in touch with quite a few people I went to university of Florida with. Mm-hmm. Um, and even they, and, and there's some pretty good ones. I, you know, there's a good one to follow. Uh, if you are a Gator and you are listening to this, um, Sammy or SBG, it's a really good one. He is a, uh, he's a law student and also went to Duke law school. Um, mm-hmm. he, know, he knows his stuff and he's very, he's very good. He's funny. Definitely know what he's doing. Uh, I actually really like scooter. Uh, he does some really mm-hmm. funny videos and he, he's, he's a funny Gator fan. Like he's, he's, he's pretty, keeps it relatively light. Um, but yeah, there's just been some who have just come out of the woodwork and, and they're sounding like, it's like a mixture between Georgia fans and LSU fans coming together and it smacks in the middle. And then you get a Florida fan this year. <laughs> and, um, I don't know if it's just because they are just riding this Heisman hope. They've been very quiet this week. I don't know if you've noticed, they've been very mm. quiet. Haven't heard um, a chirp. I haven't either. All I've heard is that, well, the peach bowl is going to be really fun or the, uh, or the capital one bowl is going to be great. Um, I haven't heard anything about playoffs or, or Heisman or upsetting Bama or, you know, Gators by 90. Um, I haven't heard any of that. So, um, I think reality check was definitely needed. Um, brought him back to earth a little bit, but you know what? I, I get it. Like you're having a great year. You haven't been there in a while. You're proud of your team. You're beating your chest, but just remember who you're beating your chest to. Yeah. This, is, this isn't, this isn't mm-hmm. Arkansas. This isn't Auburn. This isn't um, Miami. This is, this is King Saban. This is, this is the, this is the goat. <laughs> oh, you know, Oh, you know, what's hilarious is, Florida's probably not even going to make a New Year's Six Bowl now um, because obviously Alabama is going to be in the playoff, obviously, but the Peach Bowl has the next highest SEC representative, and they're not jumping A&M. 
when when they lose again, I don't know if you, the playoff rankings actually just came out right before we started recording. Yeah. They're only one spot ahead of Georgia. So if Alabama wins that game by 21 points or so, like they probably will. Florida's probably going to fall behind Georgia as well. And the- Which blows my mind that Georgia is eight. I don't <laughs> I don't understand it. It drives me insane. Is it – like, I get it. JT Daniels makes their offense look a little bit better than what it was. Um, I still don't think JT Daniels would have beaten Florida or Bama. But can you imagine – just we go in there and we we take care of business and we beat Florida by I don't I don't know we'll say twenty four, um, and they're going to the Outback Bowl and Georgia sitting there two losses because a better bowl game than he did <laughs> and, we, and they in Florida and Alabama put five hundred yards of offense on each one. I and, oh. I think it was Bruce Feldman who said um, they have to be factoring in recruiting rankings to have Georgia rank this high. They have what, what's Georgia's best win? I, honestly, what is it? Um, is it Tennessee? I would say Auburn. At this point, okay, beating, Aub- beating Auburn, what was it, twenty eight to three, thirty eight to three, something like that. It was like twenty seven six or something. Yeah, something yeah. around that ballpark. Uh, but yeah, that's their best win. Auburn's not good. <laughs> they no. just fired their coach. I yeah, right. And it, th- look, and from what I've heard, they're going to keep their defense coordinator and uh, make their defense coordinator their head coach. Which, as a Bama fan, I love like all day. I hell, we'll we'll chip in for that uh, contract. Um, as long as they don't get Mario Cristobal or they get Luke Fickle, like mm-hmm. I don't care who they get. That's fine. Cause they're not getting Aaron Meyer. They're not get. they're not going to get Hugh freeze. They're not getting Sark. Um, they're not getting lane. So um, a very dark time for the planes right now. Yeah. They, you know, I, I would always think like, man, if Auburn ever fires Gus, that would be obviously, okay. You would think it'd be good for them because they make an improvement, but now that they've actually done it, it's like, oh God, who are they going to hire? Because Crystal Ball is committed to Oregon; he's about to get extension. Yeah, he came out and said that I'm not going anywhere. I they'll probably, I mean, there's a chance they could win the Pac-12 this weekend, and Mm -hmm. I I think they they sign him to an extension because I know that people are saying, you know, is Sark going to be the next Bama coach or is it going to be Dabo or anything? Like, look out for Mario Cristobal to be mentioned in that conversation. He's worked in Saban's staff before. He's apparently one of the best recruiters Saban ever had. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he he's probably one of the best recruiters. And that's saying a lot because we've had some great ones as far as, you know, I, I thought Kirby – was a fantastic recruiter when he was here at Bama, getting those headhunters that we had. But if if it's coming out saying that he was the best recruiter Saban's ever had, um, you know he's got to be valuable. Um, I don't think he's going to go anywhere, and I I don't know where Auburn goes at this point because it's not exactly like even teams having bad years, they're not exactly quick to fire their coach. Um, in a mm-hmm. normal year, Coach O would probably be fired with the season that he's had, but. Because it's COVID and op outs and you know, who who's gonna who's gonna take that job kind of thing. Where it's like Auburn, I think their best bet right now is to keep it in house. And it probably is not gonna be a fun three years for them. <laughs> the, the the thing about the Auburn job, which I think makes it more toxic than other years, because most other years the Auburn job actually would be pretty attractive. No, yeah. They are they are ranked pretty low in the current recruiting rankings. I think they're forty second right now in the two four seven composite. Uh they they fired their coach seventy two hours before national signing day. 
Uh, and huge. Yeah. that coach is going to have to scramble just to get this class into the top 30. I mean, he's going to have to have maybe the best three weeks an Auburn coach has ever had on the recruiting trail uh, just to get this thing in the top 30 and not lose. Because Bama's on pace for number one at worst number two class. Georgia's going to be in top five again. LSU is going to have a top 10 class. Um, you, yeah. you run the risk of just like falling that much farther behind your peers before you even step on campus. And it's, I, it's rough. Yeah. I, I definitely see where you're coming from, from that. I think that's why they want to keep it in house. Cause they, mm-hmm. he know he knows the recruiting and he knows, he knows these players and he knows um, who they need and what they need. I think, I think losing Kool-Aid to, you know, the number one corner in, in, mm-hmm. in the country who, you know, Auburn was an option. And I think losing that was pretty devastating for them. And for us, it was more of an embarrassment of riches, you know, landing, landing him. But right. I think Auburn at this point right now, just do what you can, you know, get, I would say get an off a, a, a good offensive mind in there. Cause you're stuck with Bo Nix for at least another two years. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you know, go all in with an offensive guy or, you know, hire a new OC, just go, go somewhere out because I don't see it getting any better in Auburn anytime soon, especially if you don't hire one of these big names, which I just don't think they will. Uh, I've heard Luke fickle might be an option for them. The Cincinnati mm-hmm. coach, only because if Michigan if Michigan offers him the job and they decide to move part away from Harbaugh, Luke Fickle is an Ohio State guy. It would I I would be shocked if an Ohio State guy took the Michigan job. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he would do that, and I don't think Sark's going anywhere. I actually think if anything, Sark is. I think he's next in line at Bama. He I think he proved himself. I think he's proved himself very well too. The thing about Fickle is that his nickname is literally Mister Ohio. Yeah. And he spent his entire cut. I mean, he played in Ohio in college. He's coached there forever. He was the interim coach um, twice, actually. Actually, no, he definitely was. Yeah, uh, with Jim Jeff, Trestle. Yeah. Jim Trestle got fired. And he might have – I guess they didn't have an interim coach, and Urban Meyer coached that last game in 2018. Um, kept him on staff, though. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Urban kept him on staff, and he was Ohio State's best recruiter, and he was a fantastic defensive coach. And now he's got Cincinnati. He probably should be number five or six right now. Uh, I have them at six. Me personally, I think I would put them. I would put them over Iowa State. I know Iowa State's had a really good season. I think Matt Campbell is. He's. He, I think he's going to get an NFL offer job. I don't think he's going to jump ship anywhere. I think he's going to go to the NFL. Um, yeah, because I, I would have eight and five, and I, I actually I would have eight and four because I'm still not on this Ohio State train playing four games. I'm still not on it. Um, uh, but yeah, no, Cincinnati's played they They play really good defense and I think they're a really good team. And look, if they got in, if some chaos happened and they got in, I'm all for it. Put them in. They've earned it. They've, they've played their schedule. They've played their games and they've won every game. Yeah. And they've got good wins this season too. Um, so I don't, there's no excuse to have Cincinnati that low, but yeah, that's what Luke Fickle did. I mean, this program was in bad shape. He took over for Tommy Tuberville, right? He, Tommy Tuberville <laughs> tore down um, the Cincinnati program and Luke Fickle built it up in just, I think three years. So, so when you say it like that, then it actually makes sense for Luke Fickle to go to Auburn and fix what Gus, you know, has torn down. So exactly. Yeah. If, if he even wants to leave the Midwest, but I, but I guarantee you Luke Fickle would make Bo Nix a better dad. I'm sure he would. 
Oh, he has to be. He, you know, he's, Luke Vogel's a great leader of men, and I really think he can get Bo to actually see his child at some point. Oh, God, it'd be wonderful. There's a little son on the sideline with the jersey. Mm-hmm. So it'd be great. I, I do think it was intriguing what you said earlier, that Sarkeesian pretty much has the Bama job in the bag, and I tend to agree. Uh, say, whenever Saban was going to you know, miss a game, because earlier, you know, actually the last time we were on this podcast, Saban had been diagnosed with COVID, and Sark was, was going. Yeah. Sark was going to coach that game uh, until Saban um, got through negatives in a row and it was declared a false positive. But then, you know, for the Iron Bowl, which are the two biggest games on the schedule were Georgia and Auburn this year, and Saban just handed the reins to Sark, almost no question asked. So, I do think Sark is going to get looks for lots of head coaching jobs, but. Man, it's it's got to be very very tough for yeah. him to turn down, um, knowing that he's going to take over for Nick whenever that time comes. I agree. I, I I completely agree with you. I think that just goes to show how much confidence that Nick Saban has in Steve Sarkeesian. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not it's not like it's you're handing it over for a game where it's like, oh well, we're going to play North Texas and we're already forty point favorites. It's fine. No, you're giving it up against the number at the time, the number three team in the country. Mm-hmm. And at the time, your biggest rival who has beaten you two out of the last three years. Um, and I just think it goes to show like how much he has grown as a coach and as a person since he's been at Alabama. I know he went away for after, you know, he took that Falcons job, which I, it's always kind of been like, why, you know, you, mm-hmm. I, cause I thought in the national championship game against Clemson and, and uh, at 16 he coached actually a really good game and you know Bo broke his leg and you know he had to basically scramble for that game plan because Jalen can throw but Bo was just running all over him yeah the shot played OJ Howard he had the trick play where Darius Stewart did the double pass um on a fourth down by the way yeah. start oh, yeah. on oh, a fourth down it just never had been more stressed in my entire life and then Jalen you know I just we just scored too fast and you know um, so and then just out of nowhere, he kind of just left to go be the Falcons coordinator. And I don't know if maybe if him and Saban were button heads, or if you know he just felt like he was ready for the NFL jump. And you know, I, it's funny. Any anytime I talk to a Falcons fan about Cecil Keeson, they 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 want to strangle me. But um, it, but seeing what he's done these last two years has been just. Awesome. I mm-hmm. it's it's probably the most explosive offense in college football. This year it's the most and and I and I said this um on a, another podcast uh the other day. It is probably the the most unique offense I've ever seen because it's so balanced yet it's so explosive. It's almost hard. It's almost impossible to game plan for cuz you know we get these games where it's like okay, perfect example. Uh Texas A&M could not run to save our lives unless in the red zone, but Mac was throwing bombs like it was nothing. And then you look at last week, we didn't score a single receiving touchdown, but we ran down their throats. And it's just crazy to see how balanced we are. I think this is probably the most balanced Alabama offense I've ever seen. Cause even with, when we had Tua and we had rugs and we had Judy and all those, and all those Guys, we didn't really run the ball that much, and we had great running backs. We had Josh Jacobs, we had Damian Harris, we had Najee still, um, and they were just kind of like there. 
You know, it's like, okay, well, I guess it's third and one or second or, you know, second and one. You're like, I guess we'll run the ball. But now it's just like, it's, we're going to do whatever we want and you can't stop us. And it's just so much fun to watch. And I think Sark has just, he, he's he's gone above and beyond. I actually think this is why Saban is like, you know what? I feel good if I leave the keys to the kingdom with this guy, especially if he stays. Because I always thought he wanted to give that job to Kirby, but I'll, Kirby was always going to leave if Georgia ever became available. Right, and that's why I think uh, Kirby turned down multiple head coaching jobs before Georgia came up. Kirby turned down Auburn, I'm pretty sure. Turned out Florida. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. He just though these are premier jobs. He was just waiting on Georgia. So you know, I, I, I think it's Sark right now. Just the way Saban just willingly handed over the keys. I mean, with no hesitation. I feel like it's got to be Sark at this point. Uh, man, Cruz. So obviously, just I, I don't want to talk about Ohio State. They're going to run over Northwestern. I, I don't want to talk about the Pac-12. Which See, I disagree. I disagree with you on oh, Big Ten. I disagree with tell. you. Do tell. Do okay, tell. so um. Northwestern is has. Do, do you want to take a wild guess where they rank in, in in scoring defense by any chance? You want to take a wild guess? They're pretty high. They're like in the top ten, right? They're two. Oh, they're two. Do you know? Do you know how well they rush the football? On Northwestern. Average? Yes. Really? Average. No, I don't. I actually don't know that. Top ten. Top ten. Really? So, time of possession. They crush it. They play very good defense. They run the ball and they don't make mistakes. They are probably one of the most disciplined teams in the country. I still think Ohio State will win, but this whole narrative of that Ohio State's going to go out there and just run them off the field, I don't believe. Oh, Northwestern has played um, Ohio State in multiple uh, Big Ten championships, and they never really actually blown them out. They've actually fairly been close games towards the end of the games. Mm-hmm. I actually think that this is going to be this is actually my almost upset of the week. Um, I pick Northwestern to cover, and I and I'm taking the under in this game as well because it's. I want to say it's Ohio State minus twenty two. The last time I saw it, but okay. I will. I don't think it's going to get that point. I think Northwestern is going to have this game plan of, look, we know that they're going to score, but let's make Justin Fields pick us apart if he's going to do that. Don't give up these 70-yard chunk plays or these 60-yard chunk plays. Let him do it throwing the ball, um, you know, 50 times and, you know, making him really earn it. But Northwestern, I think, will run on Ohio State. Ohio State's defense is not what it's been in the past couple of years. They don't have the Chase Youngs. They don't have the Nick and Joey Bosa. They don't have the Lattimores and the Von Bells and the Jeff Akutas. I think mm-hmm. that they can be run on, and I think Northwestern's a really good run football team, and I think they'll try their best to control the tempo of this game and keep Ohio State off the field. Like I said, I still think Ohio State's going to win, but I also think, though, if Northwestern can keep this game close in the fourth quarter, Look out. It, yeah. it, it could be upset alert. So if Northwestern just – let's say Ohio State wins, but it's a close, ugly game. They win something like 27-24 against Northwestern. And I can see Are, it. Is, is the committee – I mean, I, I know what the committee will do, but will the committee even be justified in you know giving Ohio State a playoff no. spot? No, not at all. I, I don't think so. I Look, there have been so many teams that have – and, I, and look, I know it's not Ohio State's fault that games were canceled. It's not. 
you know, it's not like they're mm-hmm. the ones that were canceling it. It's not like, oh, we don't want to play. They do. And I, and I, and I get that and I respect it, but it is what it is. If you play five games and only five games, and you've already had a conference change their rules for you to get in for that reason. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair to keep out a Cincinnati team that has done everything that they can possibly do. I don't think it's fair to keep keep out a Texas a and team who has played every game on their schedule to do everything they want to do. Um, or even look, and even USC, because like USC, I know is they're five and zero, and you know they they've looked they've looked better than I would have imagined. So, but they'll still have one more game than than big than the uh, Big Ten champion. So, I don't think so. Now, granted, if Ohio State goes out there and they just mm. do unspeakable things to Northwestern, then yeah, put them in. That's fine. But if it's, if it's a close game, kind of like how 2017 was where we needed, we needed Ohio state to win, but not by too much against Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Then you got an argument. Then you got, okay, well we got a one loss Texas A&M who's, you know, they've, they've played their games and they're number five in the country and they've done their only losses, Alabama and they beat Florida or you got an undefeated Cincinnati who's probably going to win their conference championship. Or, you know, if you want to get weird, what about Coastal Carolina? You know, <laughs> you know, look, let's put, look, just put the bowl game, Coastal Carolina, Ohio State. There you go. Battle on the undefeated. There you go. Perfect. Put it in the bowl game. But Perfect. just not a playoff game. I am, you know, and I pretty much agree with everything you said. Obviously, talent-wise, Ohio State is one of the four best teams in the country. That's almost indisputable. But oh, yeah. resume has to matter at some point, and what you actually do on the field has to matter at some point. Uh, I, I'm a big proponent of the plus-one system, um, and I really have been radicalized into that over the last year. Uh, have you heard of the plus-one system? You know, what are they going to out? I could be mistaken, but isn't that like you you gain an extra? It's the um, for being a conference championship, or being a conference champion. No, actually, it's um. So all the bowl games are played just as is, and after all of those bowl games, you know, it's one versus two. After all of after all of that dust settles, because I'm a pretty big, you know, I'm pretty big in a change, and you know progressivism when it comes um, to college football. But in this one specific thing, I'm a boomer, man. I think the SEC championship, the SEC champion should go to New Orleans. The Pac-12 champ should go to the Rose Bowl. Ooh. The ACC champ should always go to the Orange Bowl. I'm, so you, I'm like big that. On that. you like that. You like that 80s kind of style, like, like it was back yeah. in the day with like the U and Florida State and Alabama. Okay, I like that. Right. Okay. And just like that. always – and just like the SEC champion should always be in the Sugar Bowl. And then after that, if, you know – Obviously, they'll vote one more time, and whoever's one versus two, and whatever poll or you know system you use, yeah. then you can play a national championship game. But okay. I I don't think it's fair for you know a team like and again I'm not complaining about this year at all. But in 2017, Georgia won the SEC and Alabama um, kind of got in as the four seed. Georgia had to go out to Pasadena and play in the Rose Bowl, and Alabama got to go to the Sugar Bowl. It's true. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you know Georgia really enjoyed that trip and they won it, but. I, I mean, we pretty much got rewarded for not winning our conference and just still getting to go to the Sugar Bowl. So No, I, I agree with that. See, I've always been – and this is kind of an unpopular opinion. I've always been a fan of the BCS. Mm-hmm. Um, Once again, folks, apologies for those technical difficulties. So we're just going to go and finish up here. Uh, Cruz, obviously, Alabama, Florida – Still a top 10 game, inexplicably, um, because the committee still has four at number seven. Uh, what's your prediction? How does it play out, and what's the final score? 
Uh, so I think this game is going to be, um, I think it's going to be a battle of the first half. I really do. I think it's going to be a lot of the Georgia Alabama game. It's going to be a heavyweight fight. I think, I still think Florida is a very explosive team offensively. I thought they just got caught looking ahead. Um, and LSU just took advantage. Um, I think though, however, though, this Alabama team, they, they can sniff blood. They can smell it. They know how close they are to a title. They know how close they are to um, achieving something really special that only one other Alabama team, the coach under Nick Saban, has done, and that's going defeated. And I think that's a goal. Um, they finished their first goal, go 10-0 in SEC play. Mm-hmm. Goal number two won the SEC. And the goal number three is national championship. And I think Florida is just – the wrong team in the way and i think that i think alabama is going to come out and they are going to just punch florida in the mouth um i expect florida to get some good shots in though but i think this is alabama's game um i'm calling my prediction right now mac jones wins the heisman off this game uh he is going to i think he's going to put some really good numbers uh i have him throwing for over 400 yards four touchdowns two of them the smitty and Mac Jones is going to be your SEC uh, champion offensive player, the MVP. He's He will be in New York uh, the next week for the Heisman or virtual, and he'll accept that award. Um, and then the Heisman order will finish um, Mac, Smitty, Najee, in that exact order. And, <laughs> okay. it, 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 and honestly, this could be the first time it's ever happened. I could be wrong, but this could be the first time that the top three candidates are all from the same team. Uh-huh. Who get invited to the ceremony? Don't invite. Don't invite Sunshine. Sunshine hasn't earned it this year. Don't invite. Don't invite Kyle Trask if he gets beat this week. Um, it's a, it's an insanely special thing. So I think I think Alabama it will come out. They will take care of business because I thought they kind of got caught looking ahead a little bit in the first quarter against Arkansas. And they're like, okay, no, let's 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 stop this, okay, and. This Alabama defensive line has come on the last couple weeks. They they are getting immense pressure on teams now. They are just coming after folks. And I think that – and look, I saw LSU rattle Kyle Trask, and we have a much better pass rush than they do. And I think, I think we'll get to them. Um, my final score is Alabama 56, Florida 20. 56th. Wow. Okay. 56th. Uh, yeah, I thought my prediction was a blowout. I have, and I'm pretty sure I say it at some point later in this podcast, but I have it at 48 28. Um, yeah. I, I do think it'll be, like you said, somewhat close in the first half, but near the end of the second quarter and on, I really just think we pull away. Um, Florida doesn't have the secondary to cover our receivers for four quarters. Uh, I do think their rush defense does start to wilt a little bit. I mean, we've still got the best O-line in the country and the best running back in the country. Uh, I, I I really think that, you know, there's there's just nothing they can do. They can't commit enough resources to one area um, to not get exploited in the other one. So I've got 48-28, um, you know, and the second half is just going you, – you're really going to see the difference in talent between these two programs. And I, th- and I think a lot of it's going to have to do with – I actually think our defense is really going to step up this game. Um mm. I think it, for weeks, I feel like Alabama has heard how good this Florida offense is. But at the same time, though, the or, uh, the Alabama offense and uh, or the Alabama defense goes up against the best offense in the country every day of the week. 
Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the Alabama right. It's the Alabama offense across from him in practice. And so, look, I think that Kyle Pitts, Nick Saban will take Kyle Pitts away. Mm-hmm. Nick Saban is a lot like Bill Belichick, where it's like, look, yes, I know, I know that you you have your favorite toy. I'm taking that toy away from you. You're going to have to beat us without your favorite toy. So I expect. I expect Kyle Pitts to be double coverage. I expect to have um, – I think Malachi Moore is going to have a – I think I expect him to get an interception this game. Um, by the way, shout out. He has probably the best mom on Twitter. I oh, love she's the best. She's, she's the nicest lady. Um, he is a straight-up baller. You would never know that kid's a freshman, the way he plays and the way he acts and the swagger he brings. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of a mixture between – He's he reminds me of a young Eddie Jackson the way he plays. Oh um, yeah, yeah he does. Just a swagger and just like he he has a knack for the football. He's going to be so good. I think Sertan shuts down Tony, um, and I think I I think as long as we can contain the wheel routes and so I I think I think Dylan Moses has gotten better over the year as more the year is gone. I think Pete Golding has saved his job because the last time we were on, we were talking about this is the worst Alabama defense we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. To now it's like, they're actually really damn good. And so I think that this is going to be, um, it's all going to come full circle. I think that I wouldn't be, look, if Florida got the ball first and they go down and score, it wouldn't surprise me. But at the same time, they're not going to win. I don't think they're going to win this game. And even if they do win this game, then their season's, not really. It's still done. We'll we'll still end up the four seed, um, unless by some miracle we get blown off the field. But I mean, I don't expect a Clemson Natty performance coming up anytime soon. Um, but I, I I think this game just has Alabama written all over it. And I if I'm if I'm a me being the betting guy, I am I'm definitely taking the over in this game. Uh, I think it's gonna be points galore. So yeah. Um, but yeah, and like I said, I think Mac wins the Heisman off this game. I really do. Uh, I think he solidifies himself as look. This is my year. This is my team. Uh, I'm gonna feel like a genius if he wins it all, <laughs> me personally. And so I, that's just that's how I feel. And a part of me, you know, kind of feels for my parents a little bit. But you know, it happens. <laughs> They'll be fine. They'll be fine. So you heard it here first, folks. Cruz thinks an Alabama blowout. Mac Jones submits his Heisman Trophy candidacy, uh, and Bama goes on to the playoff. I will leave you with this. I think Michael Casagrande tweeted this earlier today. Alex Leatherwood said that he came back to school because he wanted to graduate and win a national championship, and he's already graduated. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cruz, thanks for Cruz, thanks for coming on again. We really appreciate it. Um, you guys find him on Twitter at the Real Cruz Ox, and you just launched a podcast too, didn't you? Uh, yeah, so the it's coming out. Uh, hopefully, it'll be out either t- tomorrow um, or Thursday. Still getting all worked out. It's called the Cruise Control Podcast. I'm obviously going to have you on there. Um, Got to yeah. have you on there. But yeah, it, it's uh, I'm excited for it. It's kind of long overdue. I'm gonna. Ha- it's not just a sports podcast. I'm gonna. It's gonna be about life as well. Gonna have some really good guests on there. Um, I've been in talks. I, I'm gonna have some you know, former, former Bama players on there, some NFL players, uh, you know, it, it's going to be good. It's going to be, it's going to be a really fun experience, you know, zone out, you know, throw away your problems for about 45 minutes and Kyle come make you laugh. And, and then, yeah, but I'm really excited. I'm definitely going to have you on. I can't wait to have you on. And, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, 
I love being on here and you know, you can have me on anytime you want, man. Of course. Uh, can't wait for that. Uh, folks, that's Cruz Oxen Rider. Coming up next uh, is another familiar voice, um, which is another former guest of the podcast, and you'll be excited to hear from them soon. Thanks again, Cruz. All right. Thanks, man. Yep. Folks, you just heard from Cruz Oxen Rider, uh, and our next guest has essentially become my part-time co-host at this point. Um, you know her, you love her. She loves Taylor Swift. It's Lacey Sensula. Lacey, how are you today? That, I'm just doing great, Kathy, and you're right. At this point, I'm about to start requesting a paycheck from you, honestly. Look, you know, we can pay in um, Twitter retweets and Trident layers. That's <laughs> the final offer. <laughs> um, you're about to be hearing from my people real soon. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, uh, obviously, Lacey, um, last weekend was pretty big, uh, you know, on the internet. Um, Taylor Swift released a surprise album Thursday night, Friday morning, depending on where you live. Um, and it's called Evermore. You're on this podcast to review it. Um, obviously, your sports knowledge is always welcome, but uh, I don't know anyone that knows about anything as well as you know about Taylor Swift's music. Uh, so... Starting off, Lacey, your overall album grade for Evermore. Oh, boy. Okay. So, I mean, that's like the hardest question you could ask me right off the bat. So, at this point, (laughs) I'm thinking like I can't give any Taylor Swift album below a 9.0, just theoretically speaking. So, and it's like, who am I, Pitchfork? Like, I don't need to give people a 2.0 just to feel something. (laughs) So I think I'm going to put it at like a, like a 9.2. I mean, just off the okay. my head here. Um, now you're going to ask me what I have folklore at. And at this point, I, I, like, I don't know if I like it better or I'm not comparing it yet to folklore because I'm not ready for that. Okay. You know, I'm not going to so quit mm-hmm. Right. But it just, honestly, I'm not a big fan of comparing albums from artists, especially ones that, you know, have evolved their sounds as much as Taylor. But, I mean, it's literally the sister album. It's like, I think they're meant to be compared, right? But, like, I think it's more of, like, it's the sister album, so you can't compare them. It would be like your parent picking a favorite child. Yeah, parents have favorites. You you legally can't pick your favorite. (laughs) Oh, I, um, I'm going to be honest. I liked Evermore a lot, Um, you know, as a new Taylor Swift fan, really over the last year and a half, two years. Um, this you know development has come about. It was just hard because it sonically it sounded so similar to folklore. So the whole time I was just comparing it, which took away from the experience for sure. But I liked folklore so much, and even though I liked Evermore a lot, the whole time I was just thinking, well, "Man, I really wish I was listening to folklore right now." Like when Dorothea started playing, I was like, "Man, this is great!" But Jesus, I, I'm going to listen to Betty right after this. You know, it begs the question of. Was it only a situation of whichever one she released first? You know, kind of like a, you know, I like this one so much better, but it's just because of the nostalgia of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, at this point, I've heard both. I've heard a lot of people say they like folk more better. Um, and then I've heard a lot mm-hmm. of people say they like ever more better because it has faster songs. Um, so, like, a lot of people that missed, like, that pop vibe or kind of, like, quick uh, songs, you know, it has Cold Rush, Long Story Short. Closure, all these songs that kind of have a faster beat. So I've heard both. I'm not making mm-hmm. a call into 
at least a month with the album because it's not fair. Because when right when it comes out, you're either like overrating it because it's new, or you're underrating it because like you don't. I mean, I don't know the lyrics yet. I don't know the stories yet. Like I need some time to it before I can make any you know massive life decision like that. Right. I I was pretty close to you know just waiting until the next day to listen to it, but then uh, my girls Heim saw they were on the track list, and I, I had to hit them up. Uh, and that song may be my favorite from the album, personally. That song I listen to maybe ten times a day, and and I w- I don't even know if it's my favorite, but I mean it's just like are you okay? Well, well, are you okay? <laughs> listen to nobody, no crying ten times a day. Are you all right, Lacey? I mean, it's just absolutely just like. You know, as, a, as an avid Criminal Minds fan, just what a great crossover that we got here. I really love that they made Gone Girl into a song. That's just, man. <laughs> I mean, Carrie Underwood's silent has been deafening ever since before he cheats came out. Um, you know, we have yet to hear from her. Um, no, no. Coward. <laughs> Speak up, Carrie. Come, come on the show, Carrie. <laughs> so yeah and now i've actually today i listened to heim's album for the first time women in music part three and yeah they absolutely mm-hmm. slap so um if there's one thing that's exciting it's being re- introduced to new artists granted i know that new not new not new artists but new to me yeah okay good to lacy i'm ashamed as your friend um for the last you know few years that this is your first time listening to a Haim album. I really feel like I failed. I know. You know. I don't know where I've been. I don't know why no one felt the need to, to tell me about it, um, to just tell me to hit him up. Um, but, yeah, they absolutely go hard for sure. So now I need your – I was going to do five, but I think that would be a little too hard and just a loaded question. So what are your top three from Evermore? Okay, so let me look up. I did the song sorter quiz, which for anyone new to – Taylor Swift fandom. There's this man or girl, I don't know. Their name is Jesse Pinkman and they're on Tumblr. And for every Taylor Swift album, I think they do for other artists too, but they do a song sorter. And literally all you have to do to find it is Google Evermore song sorter. And it's the first link that will come up. Um, It's for every album. I've done it for the whole Taylor Swift discography and like talk about something that's just truly eye opening. Um, But (laughs) it takes a while, but then you're given this just absolutely raw data of what your favorite songs are. Um, and so I think it's really helpful, especially when a new album comes out. I like to do it right when it comes out and then like a few months in to see how it changes. Um, Cause usually mine always, mine always changes. So right now my top three is sitting at gold rush, long story short and no body, no crime. Strong. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm clearly I'm feeling some happiness lately. Some, some, some fast songs I've got going on. Good for you. I, I, I'm happy for you. Right. Um, but like the ones that are coming up for me lately, like I'm about to ride or die for Coney Island featuring the national. <laughs> uh, like at first I was like, okay, whatever. And now at this point I'm just riding along my song, belting it or riding along my car, belting it out. Absolutely loving it. How'd you feel about Evermore, the song itself? So Evermore, the song I haven't listened to as many times as um, probably the other ones just because it's at the end of the album. So every time I start from the beginning, like I don't always get there. Um, but yeah, it's really good. I mean, that's not shocking considering what we heard her and Bon Iver do with um, Exile. I still think I'm partial to Exile. But with that being said, when Folklore first came out, I didn't really like Exile that much. And now I would like die for the song. So again, yeah. it's just something I feel like is going to change over time. Yeah, That's smart. I I've, think I've my top three are... Oops, sorry, go on. I've seen a lot of people say Evermore is like one of their top songs. Hunter Johnson texted me out of nowhere and said like 
ever, he was like, Evermore, the song is God tier. It might be the best one. I wouldn't go that far. It's a very good song. Uh, don't know if I'll go that far, but you know, I've only listened to this album two or three times, so I probably need some more reps. I think my top three are Nobody, what No Crime, obviously. <laughs> I know, right? Just ugh, being an adult's office, but Nobody, No Crime, obviously, is up there. I like Long Story Short a lot, and I liked Ivy too. I know that's not a lot of people's favorites, but I, I, I don't know why it really resonated with me. I was just listening to that and thinking how it's one that like people are definitely sleeping on. I would put Coney Island and Ivy as my two like songs to watch. Like you're not listening to it enough. Cause like I need you to understand that these two songs slap. Coney Island and may that- get up there for me too. Just cause the national's so good. They're so good. So good. And like when, once I looked up the lyrics for all the songs, then you have like a better understanding of like what's going on. Um, but no, that one's just impeccable, but what's are your- we surprised? National What's your least favorite? Show. What's your least favorite on the album? Least favorite, according to the song sorter, is Cowboy Like Me. And I really? have a few that's their favorite. <laughs> You've tweeted about that like 20 times. <laughs> what, oh, Cowboy Like Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, a, it's a great meme. Like, and then, Here's the thing with Taylor <laughs> and albums. Like, comparing them is like comparing like platinum to gold. Like, okay, yeah, one's better, but the other one's still really, really good. So... You know, it's all relative. Yeah, sure, I guess. Speaking of, quick small tangent, what's your least favorite Taylor album? Um, A lot of people want to say the debut album. And that's easy because, like, she was, what, like, 15? But actually, the debut album has a bunch of bangers. My least favorite, and it's going to be controversial, is Speak Now. And that Ooh. is a lot of favorite. Yeah, there. Lacey. Mm. That's a take like, for sure. The thing is, is... Again, it's a really good album. I mean, it was literally nominated for Album of the Year at the Grammys. She wrote every single song alone with no co-writers. Great songs like Enchanted. Um, I mean, Enchanted is like the original Exile at this point. Um, But I I don't know why. It just always has been my least favorite. I mean, they're all good songs, but I think like most of my like least favorite songs are on there. Like, That's just, man, I don't think I've ever heard anyone have that take. Uh, but yeah, there's a large Speak Now army out there. So like, if they find that, so like, I'm really sorry. Yeah, if the, if the Speak Now army is listening to Brian and Colonial, uh, <laughs> that is um, that is at Hunter L Johnson for you guys to <laughs> if, you, if you want to flame their mentions. Um, so, Lacey, I hate to do this, but I know you said you like to wait at least a month, but it's been four days, which is basically a month in internet time. How would you rank this amongst the rest of her albums? So, you know, you got to go with like critical acclaim, okay, ranking. And I think right now I just checked its Metacritic score and I think it's like an 87 and I think Folklore like an 88. So at this point, like they're just splitting mm-hmm. hairs. Yeah. Um, so, you know, at this point, it's going to be like her probably second highest critically acclaimed album. My personal favorite, oh, okay. Um, I would probably put it like at number two or three. I mean, really? I don't know because at, at this point, my number one favorite album is like Reputation, 1989, Folklore, Lover. I, okay, look, I have like a five way tie at number one. Just leave me alone. How low do you have Red? Okay, I don't have Red as high as everyone else, and I know again that that's that's a that's a hot take. Um, that's most people's favorite album, and actually, that's her highest Pitchfork score. Pitchfork rated Red higher than they rated Folklore. Um, there's a little fact for everyone, <laughs> but 
Um, I have it like in the middle. It's probably like my fourth album. Fifth. Yeah, I put it like a third. Maybe tie it out with Evermore. I don't know. Okay. I didn't listen to Red at the time it came out. It came out my senior year of high school. And for whatever reason, I did. I have the album. I just don't remember listening to it as much. Um, and so like it was more of like I listened to it like a couple years later. So it's kind of like it doesn't have the nostalgia factor as all the other ones do for me. Right. I just remember, God, I forgot what single it was that summer, but it was like a summer job I was working before my freshman year. And it was just like always on the radio. And at first I was like, good God, I really wish I could change the channel right now, but there's only like four stations worth of damn in Baton Rouge. But it just ended up growing on me. And I, I like Red a lot. I've never heard anyone have read outside their top three. So this is, I mean, this is big. Well researched for sure. My top three, I could probably put them on the top three at this point. Because it also depends what kind of mood I'm in. You know, if I'm feeling pop, if I'm feel, it's kind of funny at this point that you forget that she was a pop writer and before like folklore and evermore. I was listening to like 1989 the other day and I was like, okay, like there's kids that don't know that this person exists. There's <laughs> a lot of serotonin in these songs. Taylor, what's <laughs> what I know. Like, Wait a minute. She was happy one time. Well, I don't know. It doesn't check out. No, not at all. And it's funny because at this point, you know, when she was a pop star, you were like, oh, I can't believe she used to do country. Well, now at this point, it seems more of a distance than when she sang pop songs. I don't know. She's constantly changing, um, which is kind of like her point, but that's the beauty of it. What credence do you give to the retirement rumors that T-Swift Twitter has been, you know, banning about? The who? The Taylor, the retirement rumors that the T-Swift community has been sort of, oh, you know, oh, oh, oh. No, no, no. That's First of all, like the same three rumors are kind of traipsed out every single time that she drops an album. Um, I think we've been discussing since Lover, the rumor that she um, was married basically every time. I mean, they thought that Willow was about to be a marriage announcement. They thought that with Folklore um, and they thought that with Lover. And then there's the longstanding rumor that her and Joe broke up because those last two albums have been so sad. Um, but actually, he's been a co-writer. Of the cast of the so, so at this point, it's like, Okay, you are just coming up with the same content every time that we've already disproved. Her retirement, absolutely not. Um, first of all, people thought that after folklore, they thought after the lakes came out that she was saying that she was going to like run off the seclusion and never be heard from again. And then she dropped mm-hmm. an album like later. So what, it's like, okay, but now this time she really means it? Like, no, guys, come on. She's not... First of all, she's an Enneagram 3. She lives to make things and receive recognition for them. She possibly couldn't live her life writing songs and not releasing them. Like, as a fellow Enneagram 3, I know how that that is. <laughs> so, like, she's not ending her career at 31. I mean, she's got about... Every time we think she's done, she, she does something new. So, no, it's not happening. Uh, Taylor's probably got a solid 30 to 40 more years of making music if she just follows the path of basically any other country artist. Um, and yeah, and like I, and I, I, I was about to say, I think Beyonce is like 15 years older than her, maybe, or that may be pushing her like 12 years older, but Be- yeah. Beyonce's only eight years Beyonce's only eight years older than Taylor, funny enough. Is Beyonce that young? She was, um, I know this because shout out, to my older, shout out to my older sister would play the B-Day album in her car every day, and I just heard 9481. I don't know what song it was, but it's like, yeah, I just know Beyonce's birthday now. And it's- <laughs> You're right. She's only eight years older. I'm getting confused with Jay-Z, who's like 15 year older, years older than Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. We're not going to unpack that today, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, I know that you are, you know, one of the sleuths of Taylor Swift Twitter, and there's clues in every single video, pretty much any piece of content that she creates, even if it's just a tweet, there's clues there. What do you expect TS10 to look like? Or maybe not when it comes out, because who knows? She could just go into hiding for another two years. But what is mm-hmm. what what do you think that'll look like when it comes out? So there is a fan theory that she's gonna drop it really soon. There's this theory that evermore and folklore are triplets, like that there's a third one that's coming really quick. I personally have not bought into that theory. It's all over TikTok. Um, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, granted, I never thought that she would have a surprise sister album. I, she would never surprise drop one album, much less two, much less that close together. So who am I to say that she's not going to do a third album, but I really don't think she will at this point. I kind of think she's going to go off the grid for like two years and just vibe. I mean, at this point she doesn't have to do anything because she just released basically her magnum opus twice. And so she can just kind of ride that high. And then when TS10 comes out, I don't know. I feel like it may be more of lover vibes where it's like a mix uh, of pop and acoustic. I don't know. Kind of like red where there's just a bunch of different, you know, mix of everything. Right. Um, You know, not full pop like 1989 or Reputation, but I don't think she's going to stick with just full acoustic song, you know, piano music like Folklore and Evermore. But at this point, I mean, who knows what she wants to do? I think she might just chill for a little bit um, while COVID sort of phases its way out because, I mean, look, so many people are waiting to go on tour and they just can't, at least not in the U.S. And I just think Taylor can either just like relax and mentally prepare for a tour or she can just like, you know, torture herself and just, you know, write 20 more songs and release another album. And it's like, Taylor, you've done enough. You can you can rest now. Well, I mean, at this point, I mean, we're all still waiting for the lover tour to happen. Like, we're all still waiting for the cruel <laughs> summer. <video. laughs> um, but I guess that that also is probably like definitely why she did folklore and evermore when she did because she doesn't have to like no one's going on tour for a while, so she doesn't need to write songs that have to be blared from a stadium. She can write songs that you're only going to hear when she sings them from a cabin and it's recorded for Disney plus. Um, Another tiny desk coward. Yeah. Basically that's (laughs) like, you know, usually she's like, damn, I got to write a song that 100,000 people are going to see in one night. Like, you know, you're not blaring Ivy from the stadium speakers. Um, So I think, you know, it just kind of worked out perfectly that she could do this and, and do it at a time when no one was expecting it to go on tour. Right. Well, Lacey, thanks again for coming on. Um, I, I really do enjoy just hearing you talk about Taylor Swift. It's one of the more entertaining things, uh, you know, about the internet as a whole. There's a football game this weekend. Um, our beloved Crimson Tide go up against, you know, the University of Florida Gators, who are, you know, still number six in the country and still fighting for a playoff spot. You know, last time I checked, they definitely blew out LSU. I'm just going to take a big sip of water and check the score to – game last week oh that's interesting Lacey what's your what's your prediction for the game how do you how do you think it'll go well I mean it's just you know when you come off a game that you definitely didn't blow because you threw a shoe for 20 yards um, <laughs> of course not that would never happen that would just be completely nonsensical <laughs> um so at this point I mean Florida's playing for nothing. It's kind of funny because last week we were like, why are we playing these games? We already know who's in the SEC championship. And then um, look what Florida did. They just kind of ruined their whole career with 
with one with one one cleat. So um, Jake's really <laughs> on them. It's kind of a really big troll that the SEC made us play those games. Now that you think about that, because Florida probably didn't even have to be in that situation, and then they were. So it's it's a tough scene for for sure. Um, at this point, like I think our team is super motivated to finish with a perfect schedule because it's been all they're talking about. Um, they shared Matt Jones's daily goal list or whatever last game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, no, it was so, like his psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, um, you know, we were talking about how he was getting closer, but no, no, he's just there. He's so they have fully diagnosed him as a psychopath at this point. Um, once they saw the daily goal sheet, it was over. I mean, at this point, this just give us the natty. Kindness is one of the daily goals, but I think it's one of the funniest things of all time. Mac Jones has to remind himself to be kind. It was like kind, cool, kill everyone. <laughs> yeah, he's he's literally the Joker, like a- actually. <laughs> So at this point, it's like, okay. And then the Heisman race is the point of it's who, whatever Alabama player we want to throw our support behind. I mean, it's just kind of turning out to this, this season was like, wow, is it going to happen to, okay, we should probably just quit. Cause at this point it, it, Alabama, they did it. And by it, I mean all of it. Okay. Like we're just, we had a record breaking SEC 10 and 0 season. Um, we're going to win the Heisman with whoever we want to want to at this point. It's and be- I don't really, I mean, I don't know who's going to be in the playoff at this point. I really don't, besides us, Notre Dame, Clemson, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really rooting for Coastal Carolina. You know, put them in there, cowards. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like, you know, when you know that someone's throwing you a party. And it's not a surprise party at all, but it's like, look, you figure out the guest list, but, like, we're going to be there. And just figure everything else out. Yeah, just like basically, I'll be there. Just let me know at time, so mm-hmm. I don't really care the rest about what's going on. Um, I'm not really worried about any team either at this point. I just feel like our team is so motivated and just so driven. There, this is probably one of the more better focused teams I've seen. Just kind of you know keeping their head down and focusing truly on the process. Um, I mean, Devonte Smith's presser today. They asked him so many questions, and he just hit him with the no comment. Like they asked what would happen if someone threw a shoe, like that situation that happened to us. And he said, no comment. I was like, come on, just tell him. Hypothetically, uh, if someone were to throw a shoe, because that would never happen in a major college football game. Yeah, I wish he had said like, why would that ever ha- Did that happen? <laughs> Who did that? Who would ever do that? Um, so at this point, they're just, I feel like they're just so hyper-focused, you know, and that makes me feel better too. So the game this weekend, um, you know, maybe it'll be close for, for a second. I don't know. I mean. I don't want to disparage Kyle Trask, but he sucks. I, I do. He's very good. So. <laughs> I don't want to bash any kids or anything. That guy sucks. <laughs> and um, their fans on Twitter have been horrendous. Probably, uh, I mean, they're up there with Georgia fans at this point. Yeah, they, they are. They really are. And it's it's tough. They, they're so annoying. They haven't done anything since Obama was elected. Um, like literally the first time. Two thousand eight, yeah, literally, um, and they just—they're not that far removed from Jim McElwain, and you know it can—it can get to that point very quickly as long as Dan Mullen keeps calling uh, pass plays from the three-yard line, um, four plays in a row. Yeah, one of their fans tweeted something the other day that was like, "Oh, Alabama's overrated. Like they haven't won a title in two or three years." And I was like, "Wait." If we're counting titles, bro, are you kidding? I was in like eighth grade the last time y'all snagged one. At this point, college six times. Like, you, if you're gonna do that, you can't go that route. And honestly, I don't no. know what route Florida would go because they haven't had success in a long time. But come on, 
You know, I I truly think that um, it's going to be close throughout the first quarter and a half, and then we're just going to blow them, you know, all the way to Dunwoody. I really think 48-28 is how I'm feeling for a final score. I'm liking that because we'll get some Billy Reich action, of course, because he's on fire. Um, uh, my, my son. I love it. I love you, Bill. Do, did you give them 28? God, that's a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming one in garbage time and then one fluke one at some point earlier in the game. Yeah, okay, whatever, whatever. Okay, I'm going to do uh, – let's do them 21 and Alabama 52. Okay. Good deal. Yeah, Good that's deal. right. Folks, you heard it from Lacey. <laughs> you heard from Lacey Sensula, folks. Uh, you know, like I said, basically a part-time host at this point. Uh, Lacey, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. I know we'll have you back on at some point soon. So, uh, yeah, see you then. Thanks, KP. And just everyone remember to follow me on Twitter. You know, come for the football, stay for the Taylor Swift. Leave because I'm annoying. Just um, at DDD. Rock the lace, drop the lace. You'll find me. Yeah, you'll you'll find. Trust me, you'll find Lacey on Twitter. Y'all be good, <laughs> folks. You just heard from Lacey Sensula giving us a stellar album review of Taylor Swift's Evermore. Um, our next guest is sort of out of left field for you know what we've come to expect from the Brian and Colonial podcast. Obviously, this is an Alabama podcast for Alabama people. Uh, but our next guest is from a city that's close enough to Alabama and be close enough friends with me to be granted access. Um, you know, former writer for the Armchair All-Americans, um, you know, one of the smartest, toughest, uh, and funniest people that I know, uh, the queen of New York City and Florida, excuse me, University of Florida grad, Ashley Cummer. Ashley, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for that intro. That makes me blush over here. And yeah, basically lower Alabama. So I appreciate that little shoe in. It's it's close enough. And if this were a just world, that would be Alabama. But we're not getting into that discussion right now. <laughs> we'll never forgive the Spanish. It's fine. So Ashley, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, um, you are a Florida grad. Uh, but you've been a fan pretty much your entire life. Um, so how did that journey sort of start for you? And when did you realize that you were going to be a Gator for your life? Yeah, I mean, coming from Florida, hailing from Pensacola, the 850, um, both my parents met at UF. So from the get-go, I was kind of born and raised a Gator, was forced into orange and blue, and also just came to love it growing up anyway. Um, being the oldest of four girls, I actually am the only one to go to UF, so kind of hold that competition near <laughs> my heart, and still the only Gator officially out of the sisters. But yeah, so I uh, came up, I played sports all my life. My dad obviously was always watching football. My mom was also there to support him through all of his crazy, uh, you know, Saturdays and just staring at the TV and yelling. And I kind of just came into that as well. And um, yeah. I've been a Florida fan ever since I could literally talk and chomp and walk and all that fun stuff. I love how you literally pet chomp before a walk. So that's, um, God, I hate that so much. Uh, <laughs> no, you love it. It's okay. Speaking of chomp, uh, it, it is right over left, correct? Yeah, definitely right over left. And anybody that tells you different wrong. I just, you know, I, 
I haven't really watched a Florida game closely enough to look at the crowd to see if anyone's, you know, not getting it right. Because I feel like, you know, what if you're a freshman and you're left-handed and you, it's just natural for you to go left over right? I mean, are people forgiven or are they, you know, are they ostracized? No, not or what? No, when you come into orientation at UF, they literally tell you right over left and tell you how to do it. So if a freshman's out here not doing right over left, then – I don't know what's wrong with them. They ha- they had too much to drink at the tailgate. What's your actual favorite Florida football tradition? My favorite Florida tr- football tradition, honestly, it's a recent tradition, but the Tom Petty won't back down um, after the third quarter. That that gets me, and I was there as a student when that initially came to be. So that's something I hold near and dear to my heart. I think it's really cool to see that come together, and obviously everybody put their, puts their phone lights out, and it's – this is a super surreal moment every single time. Mm-hmm. And I don't, didn't think it could be surreal every single time, but it really is. It's awesome. And you have that over We Are The Boys? Yes, I do. That's tough. That's tough. And I, I'll probably get flacked for that. And I'm here for it. At me. I don't okay. care. <laughs> sure. No, they, they do. I'm sure they will. Um, obviously, you've you know watched a ton of Gator football over you know the course of your life. What are some of your favorite games that you remember, you know, from the past? Obviously, the Tebow era was huge, um, but even some outside of that, potentially. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you kind of have to default to the Tebow era. Like, that's when I really kind of picked up my Florida fandom, and obviously, everyone was super excited in that time. But personally, I love the Florida LSU goal line stand moment because so much went into that game. And I remember I was driving to class, uh, when they announced, because obviously all the hurricane charade was leading oh, up to the LSU. Yeah, that was the Florida. one that they, they moved it to so, Baton Rouge, right? Yeah, yeah, they moved it to Baton Rouge. Um, I remember I was driving to class when they announced that they officially moved it to Baton Rouge. And, you know, all of this shit talk was going down on Twitter, of course. And I got the notification and I immediately pulled over, didn't even go to class that night. Um, was like, all right, y'all. Like I texted all my friends. I was like, we're planning this road trip. We're co- going to Gainesville, making the pit stop in Pensacola, going to New Orleans and then going to Baton Rouge and made it happen. And that was honestly, I couldn't ask for like a better way of that trip to like pan out. Cause obviously the goal line stand such, it's such a monumental like moment in my life, seeing that happen in real life and being in the end zone that it happened. It was just insane. like I remember my body was shaking and I couldn't even like I didn't know where it was. Like it was just insane. <laughs> what a God, what a day that was. I, I truly think I laughed for <laughs> 30 minutes straight after seeing what happened <laughs> to LSU in that game. <laughs> because if I remember correctly, um, you know, Darius Guys, the LSU running back at the time, ran the wrong way on the play because there's a hole there or not, but he literally just ran the opposite direction where where you're supposed to. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember going into that game, too. Leonard Fournette was – I think he had, like, an uh, either a knee or an ankle mm-hmm. injury or something. So, of course, like all the Florida fans, like, we were, you know, being trashy and being like, oh, like, go for his knee, like, take him out type of thing. And because I didn't even – I did not honestly think that we were going to come out of that with a W. Like, I went into that game, like, okay, like, we're just going to make fun, like, have a fun trip out of it. But, like, if we lose, we lose. Like, it is what it is. But, like, it'd be cool to win. And obviously it, it did come out to be a win, but it was just so funny like going into that because I was like, I don't know if we can actually pull this off. And we did. Favorite game from the Tebow era. Oh God. I know you got so many. Like that. 
I know. Honestly, I just remember like a vivid memory watching him um, in the FSU game and having all of that paint from the field all over his body and uh, yelling and like pumping up the yeah. crowd and everything. The most obnoxious video ever. Because <laughs> there were announcers that were just like, look at him, bloodied up. And it's like, do you think if someone had that much blood on them, they'd be playing in a football game right now? <laughs> he would be on the field <laughs> right now. I know, right? No, but that honestly, that's probably the most like picturesque moment like that I can remember because obviously like I was a little little Ashley then. But I just remember that, like, that really stands yeah. out. That was a really cool moment, objectively, for football. But at the time, I was like, are you guys fucking serious, man? He just he got some paint on him, all right? And, yeah, they're wearing all white, but it's it's paint, guys. Come on. No, it's the storyline. You just have to go with yeah, the story. Yeah, I, I was pissed at it when I was 14, and I'm pissed now. Um, so, <laughs> so, well, I'm glad I could rally you. you up this early in got the it. podcast. I love it. So, Ashley, obviously, this is year three for Dan Mullen uh, down in the swamp. And obviously, the end of the Jim McElwain era was uh, not ideal for Gator fans. How have you graded Dan Mullen so far? And how do you think he'll fare long term in Gainesville? Honestly, like, I, I remember when he initially got announced, I was super excited because I was just excited to see someone that was so passionate about the program come in. Um, he's obviously like had his ups and downs with the program, but I mean, like any coach is going to have ups and downs once they immediately come in. Um, but I've just really enjoyed seeing him actually take to the players, the players take to him and really see what he's done with the program, whether it be the actual play calls themselves or just building a sense of community and excitement around Gator football. Cause I remember my freshman year coming in Jim McElwain's first year. Um, he, I was super excited, obviously that, went the way it did and so seeing Dan Mullen come in and kind of revitalize the program has really been a treat to see and even though granted I know we'll get to it uh LSU was interesting this past mm-hmm. weekend but mm-hmm. um honestly overall though I- I'm so happy with him as a coach that's good yeah I've um obviously never been a big Florida fan I feel like they're Alabama's fourth biggest rival historically and I stand by that uh, but just it's undeniable what he's done just in the three years since he started. So the program, it was in a bad, bad spot yeah. under McElwain. He just had stopped recruiting offensive linemen oh, yeah. randomly. Um, <laughs> and that's just one part of it. He has a, had a real big affinity for Sharks. Uh, if you know, you know. But, yeah, I mean, Demo just he, – he's a program builder, and he did it at State, and he's doing that at Florida now. Yeah. 100%. I mean, and then, like, he has those roots in, obviously, the 08 years and the Tebow years. So it's just been really exciting to see him kind of bring that excitement back. Because, like, I remember when I was, you know, like I said, little Ashley, I was super excited about the Tebow era and all that, like, that football program then. And to kind of not see it replicated, but to see it kind of on the verge of getting back to that excitement level is really, like, honestly, really right. refreshing to see. So, um, Ashley, Saturday night. Uh, mm-hmm. Florida Gators uh, came into the game number six in the country, but with every goal still in front of them. Mm-hmm. Had a chance to finish off the regular season at 9-1. and one. Uh, Already clinched the East. Eyes on Alabama to potentially win and you know, get a spot in the college football playoff. Um, over 600 yards of offense for the Gators. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Had a huge third down stop, uh, third and long. Uh, about to get the ball back with about a minute and a half to go with one of the best quarterbacks in the country to take the lead and beat a three and five LSU team. 
Would you like to take me through what happened uh, immediately after the third down stop? Do I need to take you through? Um, I would love it. Yeah, please. Oh, my God. Okay. So, yeah. The shoe was thrown. Oh, uh, man. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, I I don't know. Like, what was... Yeah, what I was your really reaction when when it happened? Because I just I'll tell you mine, but I just want to know yours and just Gator fans as a whole. Oh, I, I think you can sum it up with you're <laughs> fucking kidding me. Can I say yes, that on the podcast? Yes, like like, dude, what the fuck? I just I was just like everything. Like the moment I saw it just go through the air, I was like Goodbye, college playoffs. <laughs> it, it wasn't just like a toss. He caught back. No, 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 no. It was a full-fledged, like, I'm going to, like, chunk this thing down the field. See how see if I can be the Heisman winner after this that, throw. Like, I remember watching it, and I was watching it with a few friends. We didn't realize what happened at first because anyone watching the game knew there was, like, a pretty thick, thick fog you know, over the stadium. So it was hard to see everything mm-hmm. super clearly. And, you know, we had some music playing or something, so we didn't have the sound on. We see the stop, and, you know, they're celebrating or whatever, and then you just see a flag get thrown, and you're just like, what could this flag be? Was there, like, a face mask that they were just calling late? There's some pushing and shoving that we can't see right now. And then they show the replay. No, this guy literally just, like, threw a shoe 20 yards downfield for no reason after a third down stop. And honestly, what got me too was like when the media was asking Mullen after the game, they're like, oh, so like, what do you have to say about that? He was like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I don't know what happened. Like, how can, how can you miss that? Like, how can you miss a freaking cleat? You're literally paid millions and millions of dollars to know when your player throws a cleat down. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that was definitely a. Uh, not a fun time at all um, because, like, obviously the Florida Florida team has been fun mm-hmm. to watch this season, despite the A and M loss. Like, even the A and M loss it did not hurt, obviously, as much as this one did because it's such a mediocre LSU team, and we're actually a decent football team again. So, so to see that happen the way it did was just so frustrating. It almost felt like, and this was, you know, obviously, it's you can't compare going to Urban Meyer, but Urban. Meyer, it felt like this team wasn't ready to fight against LSU. They just kind of expected LSU to roll over. And one thing about Myers teams, they always were – they just played angry every single time, for better or for worse. But that, that was they were angry football teams. And it seemed like they are going through the motions yeah, I mean, last weekend. Yeah, no, 100%. And, it, like, obviously this entire college football season mm-hmm. has just been, like, weird. Everyone's minds has not been solely invested in college football as much as everyone wants to right. say it. Like, it hasn't been. And so, like, that carries over to the players, too. So, obviously, you have, like, all the pandemic shit going on. And then you have them just already in the mindset. They're like, oh, like, we're going to go play Alabama next weekend. Like, it's going to be a great time. And we don't have to worry about LSU because LSU is not the best team this season. And that can completely bit them in the butt, Mm -hmm. like, obviously. Because even though Marco Wilson, obviously, that cocked us the game. And But it at the same time, the entire way we were playing the entire game cost us the game. We were not there. No one showed up. Like it, Todd it Grantham sad. is, you know, still gainfully employed by the University of Florida. He is 
Yeah. I mean, he's just like using Florida tax dollars to, you know, put out this product on the field. I think he caught a double corner blitz on at least one, if not two of LSU's touchdowns. I don't know how he's still employed. Dan I, re- lots I really of guys, don't. man. That's, you know. <laughs> Times are changing. Uh, yeah, change. that's just. I mean, because Florida's been really good on defense the last few years. Like, yeah, they blitz a ton because that's what Tom Grantham does. But, I mean, this year it's like mm-hmm. you look at the pieces, it's like, well, you know, I we have some flour. We have baking powder. You know, we've got sugar. We've got eggs. We have everything to make the cake. So why – why can't we make the cake? This is just this is just a random mix of ingredients. What the hell is this, Todd Grantham? You know, Todd Grantham's just like the eggs that are bad that are all cracked sitting in your fridge, and Dan Mullen's still trying to use them, nope, but it's just not all. working. So, Ashley, are you actually looking forward to this weekend at all? So, funny enough, my birthday I'm is aware. actually on Saturday. So, yeah. So, I'm just gonna have the alcohol flowing for one thing or another um i'm definitely watching of course but i'm honestly going into the weekend like you know what it is what it is we had a decent season if if we actually have a game on saturday then cool but i remember i went to the what was it 20 2017 yeah 2017 national championship when i saw you in or not our championship, championship in atlanta 2016 okay i don't remember what year it was um yeah, like when I, I'm going to have the same mindset going into this game as I did that game where I'm just like, you know what? I'm excited to be here. It's nice to be here, but I'm not – don't have any high expectations yeah, going into this. It's kind of weird because Florida still has a lot to play for. I mean, literally the SEC title, it's huge. Even maybe depending yeah. on where they're ranked in the playoff ranking, maybe even a backdoor um, playoff berth. Who knows? But, man, it's got to – it's got to be tough knowing that, you know, Kyle Trask was probably going to win the Heisman. Whether or not you believe he should, Alabama fans. Kyle Trask was probably going to win it before he threw two picks against LSU. Um, That's the thing that made me so upset, too, about Saturday's game. I was like, I I was full aboard, like, Kyle Trask has this in the bag. Like, there's there's no question about it. And, sorry, can I say yeah, that on sure, the podcast? Um, we'll take it out of the post. <laughs> but... It, and then Saturday happened. I'm just like, this is just embarrassing. Like, it's so sad to watch it play out the, the way that it did on Saturday because, like, we had so much momentum just throughout the entire season. And then to watch that come together the way it did, it was just like, dude, come on. Like, you have all of this, like, literally at the palm of your hands, and you're just doing this oh, with it. That's just an absolute tough beat, uh, which I laughed heartily at it. I'm sorry. Just an objectively funny college football moment. That's going to be – I'm sorry. Look, we have to deal with the kick six, much bigger stakes. You've got to deal with the shoe game. It happens. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll take the shoe game. Yeah, that's – tough, tough day for Alabama fans. So, Ashley, we do ask all our guests who come on the show uh, to give a prediction. And even though you are not in the Alabama Crimson Tide family – uh, you're still a guest on this podcast, so we need a prediction for the game this weekend. Oh my god! Um, hmm. Honestly, I give it forty-nine thirty-five. Forty-nine thirty-five. Okay, so pretty good game. You're expecting? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think honestly. 
the loss is going to light the fire under our ass and we're going to show up at least a little bit, but not enough to push Mm. us over the edge. That's fair. That's a, that's very mature take of you, Ashley. I, uh, (laughs) we appreciate that. I think I had, thank you. I hope that, that, uh, comes up, uh, at least gives me some credit after all my little ranting. I've got it at 4828 Alabama. Um, I personally think that once the game is somewhat out of reach, Florida's defense, especially Todd Grantham's defense, is going to show up and it's going to – I mean, it'll get away from you guys a little bit towards the end. But, yeah, um, you got to fire Todd Grantham. I think that's where it starts for you guys in order to get to where you want to be next year. Dude, you're preaching to the <laughs> choir. Like, Florida fans want him gone. Well, uh, Ashley, uh, I really do appreciate you coming on the show. Um, you know, this has been great. You are the first non-Bama fan to be on these airwaves. So, uh, you know. Oh, no, it's an honor. Also, it's quite no, terrifying. They'll, they'll love you because you're not, like, one of those Florida fans on Twitter. You, you, you know what one of those. I'm talking about. Uh, folks, thanks again for listening to Brian and Colonial. Uh, we really appreciate you. As always, rate us five stars, subscribe, download, do whatever you can to increase those engagement numbers. Uh, I'm your host again, Kevin Paul, and I'll talk to you soon.